Welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work, or usually we do. <laughs> this episode is a bit of a special episode. Um, I'll be discussing short fiction with author Crystal L. Kirkham, um, a fellow author and the host of the Not Safe for Words podcast. Um, I'm Avery Ames, fantasy author. And uh, Crystal, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing? Sure. Um, I live in the wilds of nowhere, Alberta. <laughs> um, I actually moved here from the Vancouver area, so it was quite a change, and I really enjoy being in the middle of nowhere. Um, other than that, my life is filled with dogs and writing and work, and that is literally all there is. <laughs> <laughs> and by dogs, I mean I have four of them. <laughs> so and it's, it's a huge part of my life when I'm not writing. Um, as for my own work, uh, what I mostly do is dark speculative fiction. Um, so it can range anywhere from my latest release, which is a dark fantasy romance to straight up psychological horror, depending on my mood and what I feel like writing. <laughs> That's a bit of a range there. I, you know what? I, yeah, I, I actually read a very wide range of books too. So it really reflects in my writing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to stretch yourself sometimes. I'm a huge, huge believer in trying new things, trying new genres, new styles of writing and learning new things to expand your own writing, even if you never publish outside of even a narrow thing. If all you want to publish is cozy fiction, learning more about everything else is really useful. Yeah, I have found that. Um, and I will link it in the show notes later. But I know you have an, actually an episode about that where you kind of talk about that a little bit about trying different things. Um, and I, I agree with it. I think reading other things and trying other things can really help you, even if that's not what you're writing ever, it can help you learn something that you bring into that genre. So that's always fun. Now, usually on this podcast, we have a drink pairing um, that matches the theme of the podcast. And uh, for mine, this time, since we're talking about short fiction, I made a strawberry shortcake drink. Um, it's very pretty, but it's starting to melt. Um, <laughs> it uh, Okay, so it's supposed to have that cake flavored vodka in it. Um, but our local liquor store was out of it, the one I normally go to, and I was being lazy. I didn't want to go to another liquor store, and they had a glazed donut vodka. So it is frozen strawberries, glazed donut vodka, a little milk just thrown into a blender, and it is amazing. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, that really does sound really, really <laughs> good. Um, I actually matched my drink to what we're talking about as well. And I know, as you can see, Avery, I'm drinking wine and how it's matched by that is I spend a lot of time wine touring with my sister because I live not very far from some of the most incredible wine country in Western Canada. Mm. And on our latest vi visit um, in Langley, BC, we visited the Seaside Pearl where they had a wine called a Petite Milo. Of course, Petite <laughs> meaning little. little. Um, and it's actually a very, very nice white wine. <laughs> Oh, okay. Now that we're all starting to get boozed up, uh, we'll move on to the questions. Um, so first off, just to kind of get our feet wet, uh, could you give us kind of a quick definition of the differences between the types of short fiction? So like microfiction, flash fiction, short stories versus novellas. 
All right. And I'm even going to throw in a couple in there that you didn't mention. Ooh. Yes. So Mike, well, first we'll start off with saying the definition for the length of short fiction varies between publications, between your Google search. Some will say this, some will say something else. In general, your microfiction is somewhere under 100 or 300 words, depending on the definition you're going by. Uh, your flash fiction is between that and a thousand words. Short stories are about 1,000 to 7,500 or 8,000 words. We're going to throw in the novelette, which is slightly shorter than your novella, and that covers your 8,000-ish to 20,000 range. 20 to 50,000 is your novella. Mm -hmm. And we'll put an addendum in there if you're writing middle grade or children, kid lit or anything. It's always going to be shorter and that's appropriate for that. But if you're yeah. talking about regular adult fiction, that's a novella length, anything under 50,000. Of course, everything over that, that's an actual darn novel. Um, <laughs> and one little odd one I'm going to throw in there is something called The Drabble which oh. is minus the title exactly 100 words long oh oh that would be a fun challenge they are I love them <laughs> it would also probably be really good at practicing different types of editing yep yes it is <laughs> <laughs> it, it is wonderful editing practice anything any flash micro or drabbles or anything like that, they're some of the best stories you can practice to become better at editing and how to make more out of your words. I've actually noticed something similar um, since I joined Twitter. Like having to edit my own tweets has made me realize extra words that I use in my actual writing. <laughs> yes, yes, just, just leave out the jest. The justs, <laughs> some of the that's. So many that's <laughs> that's so are many. sneaky. They they get in there and you don't know they're coming until you're editing and you're like, why did you, how did you get in here? So how did you get your start working in short fiction? Twitter. That's your <laughs> short answer. Nice there, little segue your, there. Yes, it, it actually worked out perfectly. Um not only that, well, I started when I was younger trying to write short fiction and it sucked. We are we're not gonna mince words here. It's sucked. So I moved on to novels, which gave me that room to meander that I generally need as a human being, because I can't even keep a sentence straight for the life of me. <laughs> um, yeah, I was trying to describe a problem and I ended up into a five minute segue on something else earlier today. So That's how it goes. It is how it goes. So novels gave me that. It also gave me a lot of experience on how to make my words better. And then I wanted to try and learn how to write shorter fiction again. And I started using the VSS 365 prompt on Twitter to try and encourage me to learn how to condense my stories um, as much as possible and try and make a really, really short story in as few words as possible. I mean, that is um, one of the biggest challenges of trying to do something on Twitter like that is you you don't even have a hundred words. You have 280 fucking characters. <laughs> How do you write a story in 280 characters? Well, I published a whole book on that. Yeah, but. I've seen that tag floating around. Um, I've been scared to try. 
Um, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it depends on the host. Sometimes they choose some really weird ass words and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and sometimes they choose really common words. You're like, well, it's too obvious to use it for the way I think I ought to, because everybody's going to do that. Now, how do I make this interesting? Um, and those ones are actually my favorite because to take something very common that always seems to strike the same image in most people and to try and flip it right over and do something new with it is so much fun. Yeah, it can be nice as like a reader to get that little jolt of surprise of like something being, what's the word I'm looking for? Not unique, novel, something being very kind of like, you know, new and yeah. interesting that you wouldn't have expected. So yeah, I can see that being kind of fun to do with like, especially when you've got such a small space to play with. And it's, it's a huge challenge. It really is. But it's one that I try and encourage people to do. And I know a lot of people are like, no, no, I can't do that. I can't write a story in a tweet. I'm like, just, just try it. It doesn't matter if you suck. Nobody cares. And some of the ones really, they're not good. A lot of mine weren't really good, but some of them people absolutely loved. And I mean, if you give me half a second, I could probably quickly pull up my book and read one of the ones that people enjoyed the most. So the story is called Hey There. And the prompt word for VSS 365 that day was hey, as in straw. Okay. So this is the story. A bouquet of golden straw lay on my front porch. Oh, wait, haha, <laughs> I lied. The prompt was straw. <laughs> oh, Close enough. Wow. Close enough. A bouquet of golden straw lay on my front porch when I got home. I opened the door to find a trail that continued right to my bedroom. I followed it to where you lay a horse mask on your head. I kept a straight face and said, saddle up before jumping in. That's really fun. It was. And I, you know, it was really fun. I was just like, how can I do something totally unexpected and different with this prompt? Yeah. And it's very like evocative and it has like such a, like an irreverent humor to it. And it's only the length of a tweet. It is. I think it was actually didn't even fill the entire tweet. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's always a good feeling when you're like, I do that during like pitch contests and stuff too. You were like, I've got 12 whole characters left. <laughs> yes, I love that feeling. It's I'm working on a piece of flash fiction right now and the limit is a hard 250. And mm. I have changed it so much from the original one and somehow I'm at 249 words and I'm like, yes, or 249 words. Yes, yes word spare, word score. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great feeling because I have changed it from a lot of very telling to a lot of showing, which tends to take a lot more words. And somehow I've managed to keep it under. Um, the latest edit right before I did this took me all the way up to 261 words and I had to bring it back down oh, no. somehow. So back to 249 somehow, miraculously. <laughs> you did it. I did. So, so you mentioned that the uh, VSS prompt is one of your things that got you into short fiction. So now that you're more comfortable with it, do you have a particular length that is your favorite to write and why? My absolute favorite is still flash fiction. Mm -hmm. um, 
the initial writing isn't a huge time commitment, which if you're a really person like I am, because I have my full-time day job, I have my publishing company, I have my own writing, I have my dogs, I have my freelance work. <laughs> Are you all exhausted yet? And then of course I have a house and a garden and a yard that I have to take care of all of that. And it, it the list keeps going. It just in my podcast. Yes, I knew I was going to my own podcast. Say, you've got plenty going on. Um, when you have a lot on your schedule like that, um, it, it can be really hard to fit in time to do stories. And that's what I love about flash fiction. It can sometimes take me days, weeks, maybe a month to edit them to get the full effect that I want in the story. But writing them, I can sit down and if I'm feeling particularly motivated and not so horribly exhausted, I just want to fall onto my bed and never open my (laughs) eyes again, I can bonk one out in under an hour. And that's the brilliant part of flash fiction. You can just get it out there and it doesn't have to be perfect because that's what editing is for. Screw perfect. (laughs) Editing can worry about that, but it's a story. And so long as it's a story that makes somewhat sense to my sleep deprived and addled brain we are good <laughs> I actually have joked that I should get the phrase that's what revision is for tattooed on me somewhere for how often <laughs> I say it yeah that's what revision is for you gotta get it out first that's the same thing I say about editing when people are like well should I worry about your grammar I'm like well you need to know it but when you're writing fuck it yeah that's what editing is for Take out the extra words, add the commas, put the right punctuation in, and wonder why the hell you put 13 M dashes in a single paragraph (laughs) later. It doesn't matter. Or or why there's an action beat on every single bit of dialogue, if you're me. (laughs) I love my action beats. (laughs) Action beats are great, because you know what? I actually prefer them over said. When you read an entire conversation of... He says, she said, they told, they, uh, they said this or that, that way. And I'm just like, oh my God, can this end now? At least action adds something. <laughs> I've, I've segued, but th- there's still a lot of them when I'm rereading. I'm like, oh, we can, we can pare down a little. <laughs> oh, yes. There, there's plenty. There's always plenty of segues when you talk to writers. It's, we can't stay on topic for the life of us it's like herding cats it's not happening oh yeah yeah that's gonna happen um so you did mention that you know it can take you time to revise and to edit um is that something that frustrates you about writing short fiction or is there something else that would you say would that you would say is your greatest challenge writing short fiction and how do you tackle that challenge um the greatest challenge for me personally is getting over my own insecurities Hmm. no matter how much I write or how many things I get published I just always feel like it's never good enough even when I'm done editing like the thing I'm editing right now and I'm working with a lot of good friends who are professionally published and we're trying to get the story right up there and they'll give feedback and lots of great feedback and this is way better but then I see like 10 notes on one paragraph I'm like oh fuck I'm a shit writer horrible (laughs) and I'm like no no they're adding commas you idiot because you're not focused on the comma you're just trying to get the story done all of my friends that are phenomenal writers have that 
you have the moments where you just think everything is terrible and the ones that are always like, no, it's not good enough are the ones that I find actually tend to be really good <laughs> because you're always improving and trying and learning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a constantly moving goalpost because as soon as you're like, okay, I wrote a story in this genre. I never thought I could. I tackled it. Um, for me, it was recent, the book that I just finished a draft of and I'm doing final revisions on has a mystery element and I had never done mystery before and I had to learn how to do red herrings and clues and lay out all these details and now that I've done that it's like okay good but I'm still really bad at other things <laughs> so it was like now I have to fix something else <laughs> yeah nope I feel you with my last book being a romance and I swore I would never write romance because I don't really I say I don't like romance. What I don't like is formulaic romance. What I don't like is that a couple people meet and all of a sudden they're in bed and it's like, how the fuck did that even happen? Um, <laughs> and, you know, because I fall on the A spectrum myself, it doubly confounds me. Like, why? Why are you jumping in bed? You just met this guy. He's kind of an asshole, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my particular bugbear with a lot of romance is um, I'm, I'm very particular about um alpha males and they're not my cup of tea and there's no. a lot of them <laughs> yep yeah there are so when I ended up realizing I was going to write a romance I wrote a romance where it takes two books for these guys to get their act together <laughs> two books before they finally get their act together yeah, we, uh, I am one of my writing groups recently had a discussion about this because we all fall on different levels on the ace, demi, gray, aloe spectrum and like what we want out of a relationship and a story um, when we want platonic relationships versus romantic relationships, how soon they should get together. And it's really interesting to see how like the whole group had different things that were like their particular thing that they liked and so it's kind of those things it's like there's always a reader for whatever your particular like is so having a story like that with this kind of like really slow like build is you're going to have a lot of readers that are um relieved to see it <laughs> yeah it's it's something I actually incorporate into all my longer work is I do my best to stay away from those standard like this head aloe relationships tropes because they just don't apply to my life and I want to see other relationships so like my first book that was not self-published they're like oh it's a romance I'm like it's a very intense platonic relationship mm -hmm. it's a very that's allowed between a guy and a girl you know this right People can be platonic that <laughs> can happen I promise it exists I do write a lot of romance into my stories because I know that that's like something that I enjoy, but I also try to have strong relationships in the stories that are not romantic because I like a good friendship. I love a good found family. Um, and that isn't the be all and end all. Uh, and I do find in a lot of romance novels you read, it's like, that's, that's it. That's like the only dynamic that's in the book. And I'm like, people have friends and stuff too. <laughs> like, even if it is a romance novel, they have friends, they have siblings, they have parents. And so I love when I see those in there, uh, even if the main focus is the romance. 
definitely. So. And look at this wandering so far. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was like, we just wandered way <laughs> off again. Um, so I find where we're at. Okay, so you mentioned your novel. Ha ha, segue. I paid attention <laughs> here. I did this on purpose. Um, so how has writing shorter fiction helped you improve your longer work? Um, the biggest improvement is it gives me a more conscious appreciation of how to make every word count in a sentence, as well as how the focus of a sentence should look. Because when you're writing short fiction, and this is probably one of the common issues I find with people who are new to short fiction, is your sentences often have to play, pay a, I know how to talk, I swear. <laughs> your sentences have to play, pay, play, double duty, pay, play double duty now you've got me wondering <laughs> you've got me thinking my, a... my brain has glitched the word they have to gone. do double duty there we go <laughs> i see i just wanted to avoid the doo-doo <laughs> yeah the, but... the, the the much the the, the, the alliteration but hey, you know oh well they are required to have really isn't that strong <laughs> i make no promises i've honestly been drinking um ryan root beer most of the day <laughs> my day off i've had a heck per week it's i've been pulling 10 to 11 hour shifts for the last several weeks straight and that means working through my lunches my breaks and everything <sighs> yeah so yes pay double duty play double duty do double duty they have to do more than one thing yeah <laughs> yes they really need to do a lot more than just exist they can't exist for no reason um everything needs to develop the scene show the setting tell us something about the character i mean not necessarily all of that in one sentence but as much as you can as possible you need to cram everything into a much shorter thing and this is why i love the flash fiction um because you don't have space for extra mm -hmm. words you don't have space for sentences that don't do something meaningful to the story Reading, even every word of dialogue needs to show us something, even if it's just in how the character is saying it. And it gives me a lot more of a conscious awareness when I'm writing longer fiction of, is this even like something that should be here? And I'm also a huge fan of fast drafting. So getting better at flash fiction and short fiction has made it a lot harder for me to do a fast draft because it's getting harder for me to shut off that inner editor. But when I do go to do revisions and edits, I am much more consciously aware of the meaning of my sentences. Mm -hmm. So like even just knowing that when you want to write a sentence and you need the reader to focus more on something, you want the focus of your sentence to be at the beginning of the sentence and not at the end so that they know the point and then the extras that develop it further. That's a very good tip. I hadn't really thought about that, but it is something that that does come up in critique groups and you put it much more succinctly than I ever have because I'm like, I didn't know what was going on here. And it's usually because, yeah, they put the focal point at the end instead of the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's one of those questions you need to ask yourself is, what is the point of the sentence? What am I trying to convey? What do I need it? to tell the reader and you want it to do that first before adding the context mm -hmm. 
Very good. Very good advice. I don't have a segue for the next question. <laughs> so we're just going to move on into it, which is for any of our listeners who are, want to get into publishing short fiction. Um, do you have any recommendations for where to submit any websites, magazines, contests, or to find it calls for anthology submissions? I'll admit this one's a little bit personal because I've always kind of wanted to do an anthology and I never know where to find the calls for anthologies. <laughs> Anthologies can be tough. There's a few places you can look for those, but let's start with your number one overall that'll find you a good handful of anthologies as well as find you the magazines and other calls for short story submissions. And it's my number one go-to. Once I learned how to use it, this website properly, um, I will never look back again. <laughs> and it is the Submissions Grinder. Um, so it's run by um diabolical plots and they actually publish short fiction themselves I have no idea whatever prompted them to do this and I really should ask one day but this website just you can put in your story your story length the amount of pay you're looking for you can arrange it by um response time their average response times of the magazine um you can keep track of your submissions and all of that on there as well as you know like if I go and look and people please don't judge this to me if I go to my dashboard and I look at my account in the year of 2021 I have recorded 40 short story submissions to different markets I have had 34 form rejections and five personal rejections yes you are that hearing that right that like is <laughs> zero acceptances but the reason why there's very few even though I have a couple of short stories coming out um in anthologies that in anthologies are ones that have just come out in anthologies um is because those ones are not ones I've recorded um I actually get a lot of invites to invite only anthologies which is harder to find because the communities need to know you exist in like your writing before they actually invite you to take part in a private project. But yeah. here, these are the ones where I'm submitting to your pro level magazine. So I'm looking at places that reject 99% of what they get. Yeah. Um, those personal rejections, those are the ones I hold dear that tell me this was actually good, but we only accept five stories a year and unfortunately yours is not going to be one of those five stories and I'm less like well at least they liked it <laughs> and it could be a place to submit more later because you know they at least like your work exactly um so I can keep track there's a few things where I've submitted them once and it gives me statistics on my individual stories how many have had personal rejections how many have had just form rejections how many times they've been submitted in total and where I've submitted them to, which is a very, very long list. So it's a really great website that once you learn how to use it, you can keep track of how much you've earned from different markets um, wow. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes and on the webpage for sure. Um, yeah. And I will be checking that out after the episode's over. <laughs> is, um, as for other places to find anthologies, um, you're going to be watching a lot of your smaller publishers. You don't see a lot of really big publishers doing anthologies because to be perfectly honest, they don't really pay a lot. They're harder to market. Um, so it's a lot of your smaller publishers that focus on anthologies and you're going to look at those. You can search for them on Twitter. A lot of them will put their calls on Twitter. 
Another great place, surprisingly, is um, just escaped my mind the name of the site where people fundraise to start things. Oh, like Kickstarter or GoFundMe? Not quite like that. Indiegogo? Kind of like Kickstarter. Kind of like Kicks. Is it Kickstarter? It might be Kickstarter. Wow. My brain is just <laughs> so good. I'm I actually you don't even know if Indiegogo still exists. It might not anymore. I may be yeah. old. <laughs> yes. Um, but there is something like Kickstarter. I'm trying to remember. I've seen a few people use it. Um, a lot of people fundraise for anthologies on there to get them started so they can actually pay authors um, an advance, which isn't always common in anthologies. Yeah. Um, I do highly recommend submitting to anthologies. Oops but do be aware you are probably going to see pennies if you see anything mm-hmm. because will, you are sharing those earnings with other authors. Yeah. I will say as a reader for, you know, some reason, which I may not be able to think about 2020 was a rough year uh, for me as a reader. And <laughs> I uh, went through a huge slump and anthologies are what got me through it because I did not have the mental energy for a novel, but I could pick it up and read a short story, uh, books of poetry, things like that were like the only thing I could digest at that time. And I still read them outside then, but that was like my lifeline in 2020 with short work. Yeah. Um, as somebody who submits to anthologies, I actually don't read a lot of them, which is weird because I don't have any time to read. But the other thing is, is because I don't have time to read, I now take most of my books in audio form. Yeah, I do love audio. Um, I, that's one of my, like, what do I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like disappointing things you will find out as a writer is that as you become a writer, you will have less time to read usually. Yeah. So you have to get really selective about what you read. That's why I am the DNF queen. (laughs) I'm terrible about DNFing things. It's so bad. I'm, I really hate DNFing things. I I tried, there's one book in my entire lifetime that I have put down and never picked up again because it was a science fiction book. And my dad's like, I really liked it here. Give it a read. See what you think. And, you know, I get through chapter two and I'm like, nothing's fucking happened. This is like, what the hell? Okay. I'll give them another chapter. Maybe something, something's got to happen soon. There's got to be a plot development and chapter three ends and still no real plot development, but there's a hint something could happen. So I go through chapter four and I'm just like, no. And I closed it. I said, gave it back to my dad. I'm like, this sucks. Give me something with plot. (laughs) I keep in mind, I was like 17 at the time. Yeah, I'll admit, I, I used to not DNF and just like, I don't know, the older I get, the more I'm like, and sometimes it's not even that the book is bad. It's just that I'm reading it going, I'm just not in the mood for this right now. And those are the ones that I'll pick up again later. Um, but I'm just like, I am not feeling a cozy mystery right now. I need a thriller. And so I'll just put it down and pick something else up. Yeah, see, that's 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 fair. <laughs> <laughs> So um, speaking of anthologies, uh, you've been in a couple and you have one coming up soon. Um, could you tell us a bit about that project in particular? I actually have two coming out soon. One's a re-release um, with a few no stories added to it. And another one is um, an invite only one. I also have one that was just released last month, late August. 
I'm really bad with dates. <laughs> I actually had a moment where I was like, I, at the time I planned this episode, that was an upcoming anthology. And I was like, I hope it didn't release already. And I just messed up the date. <laughs> but I think it was the invite one that I was looking at that I saw. Uh, but the one that was just released, I'm going to mention all three of them because, yeah. you Miss, know, I yes, just mention really all like of them. that. Um, the one that we are here just- for sh- same. Sh- yeah. We are here for shameless self-promotion. Oh, I love shameless self-promotion unless it's in inappropriate circumstances. Oh, look, I talk about that at some point on my podcast. <laughs> shameless <laughs> <Yes>. self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> this is an appropriate space for that. You're not just like sliding into someone else's tweet. This is fine. You're invited. <laughs> so the one that was just re- just released a little bit ago is called um, Bounties, Beasts, and Badlands. And it is an anthology of weird fiction. So I think there's only like five or six of us. They're all about novelette length um, mm-hmm. minus one of them, which is a much shorter story. Um, and I have my, my story in there called uh, Freedom's Bounty. And in my typical faction, fashion, there is no romance. There is a mistrustful friendship. There is a badass, strong you know, willing to take on the world woman that I absolutely love, which is another hallmark of my writing. And a lot of my really good friends who are super talented authors are in that anthology as well, which came out from Bedouar Press. Um, And I think that was just in August or September that we released that book. And I love it personally. I think it's fantastic, but I could be biased. (laughs) Uh, the other one coming out, which is coming out later in October, is a re-release. Um, some of your listeners might know of Kyanite uh, Publishing. So they're around for a couple of years. And fortunately, they did close their doors in at the end of 2020, which, which it was a hard year for a lot of companies and a lot yeah. of people. And so one of the anthologies they had released in 2020 was called Remnants which is a post-apocalyptic shared world. Well, that's so cool. It, it is absolutely fascinating. And because I am helping out with the re-editing of this uh, series, I've actually now read every single story in there. And I love the fact that every author had their own way of showing the trauma and showing the fortitude of the survivors the remnants of humanity that have managed to keep going on and they're adding several brand new stories to that anthology as well which is coming out later in October uh, from also from Fedowar and then the next one coming out I believe it was November 7th but please do not quote me on that (laughs) Um, it's from black hair press and they pretty much they only do shorter fiction so their longest stuff i think is novellas which are singly published most of what they do is um short fiction anthologies and this was an invite only called 13 13 lives of alice and the 13 lives of alice is entirely centered around um the the alice from alice in wonderland (laughs) the only Alice in my brain. Um, And of course, as you can tell from a name like Black Hair Press, it it does (laughs) focus on darker fiction. And for this anthology, every author was given a genre and a setup, and we had to take our Alice and run with it. 
Oh, this is this is right up my alley. Um, I I collect various editions of Alice in Wonderland and Alice in Wonderland memorabilia. So I'm like, mm, this is this is this is for me. <laughs> I also love dark things. <laughs> so that is absolutely awesome. So that one comes out as I said, I think November seventh. Um, I'm really excited for it. I actually haven't read anybody else's story because once again, my life has just been a massive craziness and a little bit of chaos yeah <laughs> you know on bit. top of you know everything on top of that I had a dog medical emergency so one of my no. free weekends wasn't even a weekend I was supposed to have extra days off and I was up for 42 oh, hours straight no. with my dog oh, <laughs> so, everything's baby. okay now everything's oh, fine um so it just entirely unexpected yeah so that'll always throw you for a loop it is, it is. And it's my old girl too. And Aww. you know, it just, just one of those things that should never have happened, but it happened. And so we dealt with it. <laughs> we had a, a minor cat emergency this week as well. And now she's acting like nothing ever happened. So we're yes. like, well, that didn't take long for you to recover. You don't get yes. any more sympathy treats. So now that we've brought the mood down let's bring it back up here okay so you'd mentioned looking for like smaller indie presses for anthology calls mm -hmm. and now if you're looking at smaller indie presses are there signs to look for for who might be a good press and who might have some red flags um biggest red flag i'm gonna say it comes when the contract if there is not a term of exclusivity on that contract that is a huge red flag. Um, if anybody who's aware of who the S SFWA is, which is Science mm -hmm. Fiction Fantasy Writers of America, um, they actually have a great template on their website for any publisher to use on what a contract should look like. And they even state in their most updated one that your short stories and anthology stuff should have an exclusivity period on average of about six months to a year. Now, I'm willing, depending on the type of anthology and the type of story, how specific it is, I'm willing to let that go for up to a few years, especially if mm -hmm. I'm writing it specifically at request for a market. Yeah, um, I'm okay with letting them have that exclusivity for even longer. But if there isn't a term there, that's a huge red flag. You're also going to want to make sure that um, what they're mentioning when you're getting paid for it is that uh, pro rata, very common. What pro rata means is that you get paid when the publisher makes money and you get a certain percentage based on word count of the total length of the anthology. Um, not paying authors, not necessarily a red flag, but not something that is always really cool. Um, I've let it go for a lot of my really, really short work, like my travels were all done for free. And I mean, there's probably like 60 authors in there. So really, yeah, what am I going to get? I'm going to get a penny and I won't even get that because a lot of um, pul small publishers use PayPal to pay. And of course, then they have a minimum amount that they're going to have that they owe you before they'll actually pay you. So, but the biggest thing is making sure 
that the exclusivity agreements are within standards so that they're as only asking for first world rights, um, either in print or audio for only up to a certain amount of time. And then that work mm -hmm. is yours to resubmit to other places again. If they don't do that, and if they refuse to do that, just say no. No matter yeah. how much you want your work out there, just say no. Yeah, that's that's good because I, I did not think about that. <laughs> it is huge. Short work um, only has, I said, it's, it's another reason why anthologies aren't very, um, you know, uh, beneficial for the publisher in that, you know, those stories can go elsewhere very quickly, which is why a lot of times, especially with small press, I will let them have that story for longer. Most of the time, I'm not interested in resubmitting anywhere any well, anytime soon anyway. Yeah. You're like, I've got new stories. <laughs> yeah. Next thing, next Christmas, please. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> the, hey, the are eternal... you attacking my ADHD here it's now? The, it's the eternal writer conundrum. Is that meme of like the guy looking at the one girl? Yeah, that's that's writing in a nutshell. It's like, oh, I'm tired of this story. Ooh, look, a new one. <laughs> so um kind of starting to wind down is there anything else that you would like to mention on this topic that we did not cover during the conversation um i know we've covered it but it bears repeating please just try it doesn't matter if it freaking sucks guys give it a try and learn how to make it work um i think the other thing i'm going to mention is yes flash fiction short fiction no matter how long the fiction it has to have a complete plot arc period. Mm -hmm. Please do not forget that we are not talking about just a little vignette unless they're asking for a vignette, which is just a window view into a world. It doesn't mm -hmm. need a complete plot arc. But if you're writing a story, no matter how long, there needs to be a hint of a complete arc. Good advice. Um, like this whole podcast, I'm just absorbing like a sponge just sitting here. <laughs> Oh, great. Um, well, at least you're not putting on a sponge costume just to, you know, hammer that point home. <laughs> no, I will not be dressing like SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, there, there will be no photos of me on the website. Um, maybe I'll Photoshop one just for funsies. <laughs> anyways, so it's unrelated to the short fiction, but could you tell us a little bit more about your podcast? All right, my podcast, if you haven't noticed by the way I answer questions, is um, a very sweary podcast. <laughs> I am very blunt and very honest. And my focus of Not Safe for Words is to really get to a lot of the advice and a lot of the topics that not every author thinks about when they come into publishing and come into trying to be a professional author, mm -hmm. as well as dealing with a lot of the, well, let's be honest, assholeish things that a lot of people do out there yeah <laughs> I was not prepared for all of that yeah it, yeah it's really hard to be prepared um for some of the things people do out there like when I was talking about VSS 365 you know I was thinking about an incident I used in one of my teasers where the word given was an extremely archaic word and so somebody decided to respond to their VSS 365 tweet about how it was an archaic word and they're better off using something else. And you're just saying, oh my goodness, dude, you're an asshole. There's a particular troll who shows up on Twitter every year or so. He will get banned. 
he will show back up and he is notorious for just like going into people's tweets uninvited tearing them down giving terrible advice to new writers and I every time it just it makes me see red because he targets people who are new who are just Ugh. dipping a toe into Twitter and I'm just like let 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 them be leave them alone please don't tell them this terrible advice they might think you know what you're talking about yeah yeah and that's that's kind of the reason I started not safe for words um I wanted something that was honestly me and it's just me so if you really hate the sound of my voice listening to this you're not gonna <laughs> listen to my podcast <laughs> because it is me ranting for about 10 to 15 minutes on a particular topic that I find a lot of authors struggle with so mm-hmm. Like my first season, and I'm going to be really honest, I have almost seven full seasons planned right down to topics. Oh, wow. um, I, I might we, be a little crazy. We have an embarrassing future, like amount of future topics listed <laughs> as well. And I'm looking at this and going, if we actually do one of these every two weeks, I've got like three years of podcast. <laughs> we'll see. Three years is good. Three years is good. Good. Yeah. And I release on an every other week schedule. Um, and you know, sometimes you get really raw me cause I'm recording it the night before after an 11 hour shift going, well, shit, this needs to be released tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> I better record this now, which means I don't have the time or the energy to listen through and fully edit. And I go, dear God, I hope this fucking makes sense. Publish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, I really do that. And, you know, over the coming seasons, we're going to dig more into publishing. We're going to dig more into how social media, how to act on social media and how it can benefit you as a writer um, and how you can use it to advertise your books. We're going to dig into writing topics that not everybody knows about. Like, you know, today we talked a bit about dialogue and like, I'm literally going to have an entire podcast ranting about how to get your dialogue better. So, and I call them rants because I swear. (laughs) <laughs> not at I'm actually my... surprised I don't think I've sworn that much this time but you, yeah you I've sworn at all I've noticed it like, maybe a little self-conscious it, to be honest it might just be because I haven't had quite enough vodka and you're new <laughs> because on my podcast with DC we swear sometimes um and in my actual like normal life I it, I say fuck defense, a lot. <laughs> and as as a as a fellow Canadian, you will understand this this term, right? Oh, I'm actually not Canadian. Oh, okay, you're not Canadian. Okay, I'm oh. I'm a Kansan. I'm in the middle. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm, oh, the, dear, I'm also kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, I mean, did I say you poor thing? I didn't mean that. No, Sorry, no, it's Kansan. no. That's completely that's completely warranted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I at least got the goddamn foothills right by me, so it's something. Yeah, I've got just vast swaths of nothingness i think you were canadian i don't remember well i meant you bake one really well um (laughs) um, well if do you know what a newfie is yes okay and you know the themes and the um biases surrounding drunken newfies i do not know that one all right think think of your drunken sailors amplify it a little (laughs) I had a drunken newfie once tell me that I needed to watch my language. Oh, wow. Um, no, I was going to say, maybe I fake a Canadian because like I've discovered recently that pretty much all of the podcasts I listen to are Canadian. That might be it. Do you Apparently. say sorry a lot? I do. That's, that's a, that's a, also a thing here. It's, 
Kansas is weird because we're like, we picked up a lot of stuff from the South, but then we also picked up a lot of stuff from the Midwest. Mm. So we're kind of like this weird thing. So I say, oh, when I walk by someone, <laughs> even though that's like a thing, it's, it's a whole thing. I do the, oh, going to sneak by you. I just, it's, we picked that up from like up North yeah, and then, but then, we, but then we have like the food kind of from the south so it's it's a whole weird thing oh god yes thank god at least you have food um, so anyways we had another segue or another oh no you muted yourself i did because my dogs are so noisy oh, okay <laughs> it's only the two kids to boot um i was gonna say that you know what food i can relate it to writing every time because if you read my novels food and drink prominent in every novel <laughs> I, I love a good food description. Love it. Oh, perfect. Well, when I finish re-editing Feathers and Fae and re-releasing that, you should read that because there is a whole scene with the magical kitchen and the food yes. they can create so they can order whatever they want. I blame it on A, being someone who loves food, but B, I grew up on Redwall books. And I don't know if you ever read the Redwall books. Um, no. They're like a children's series. They're about like animals but they're not really anthropomorphic they're just animals that happen to like live human lives it's very weird but they have just these most lavish descriptions of food in all of the books and you would just put the book down and be like I'm so hungry the the only book child children's book I have that rings a bell on food is um one about eating worms oh what is that called how, is it how to eat worms or something like that? Yeah, something like that. How to oh, eat fried worms. How to eat fried worms. I yes. was like, I've, oh, I had forgotten um, that book existed until now. But other than a few Rabble Cirque books and one or two others, majority of my, and I, by the way, you see, me, I know you can see me looking behind me. <laughs> um, yes, I do still own most of my middle grade books. Oh. They are on my shelf up here. There is a couple of Scottish books, um, Nightmare Hall, The Ghost Children, Book of Monsters by Bruce Covell. There's Marl Stein up Bruce there. Bruce Covell. I read so much Bruce Covell. Yeah. So when I say at the beginning of when we were chatting that I read widely, mm -hmm. um, I was having a conversation with a writer friend last night and I was talking about the different shelves in my bookshelf. And she's like, now I'm really interested in your work because most writers don't read that widely. When I say I read wide, I don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing where like, I tend to, when I'm writing, read in the genre and like someone who has a similar voice to what I'm writing, because that way I kind of stay in the headspace. And then like between projects is when I just go completely wild and read like all the other stuff. <laughs> I, I only read between projects. I don't like reading when I'm on a project because as I said, I like to fast draft. So mm -hmm. if I can, I like to have my full first draft finished in under a month. Wow. I pretty much only do that in November. And even then, sometimes I don't quite get the whole draft out. <laughs> my, my quickest first draft was 14 days. Oh, wow. And that was falling light. And that is my romance. Wow. My, my little dark fantasy romance, which is, as I've been told by more than one person, deserves its own genre. <laughs> <laughs> because it is not, a, not exactly the romance you expect, nor is it the dark fantasy you expect. And it's a bit of an adventure to boot. I love when things are like a mishmash like that, though. They kind of bring elements of a bunch of different things in. 
oh, perfect. Read more of my work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do. I've actually like gotten some, so I'm like, okay, we're going to read more uh, because I, yeah, I, I just really liked your podcast and that was why I asked you to be a guest. And I was just like, yay. So, so anyways, uh, that once again, good segue. Um, so let us know where we can find more about you and your books. Um, the best place to find more is my website, crystallkirkham.com. Um, I keep it mostly updated. I try really hard to keep it updated guys. Really, really hard. It's Uh, hard. I work a lot. It's not the only website I have to keep updated because I actually have a degree in web technologies. Um, <laughs> and I occasionally have people going, can, can you please do graphics or can you please do my website design? And I've tried yeah. really hard to stay away from that because I actually really hate website design. But I've done like- so many like wedding invites for friends and family yeah yeah it's a pain in the ass especially when it's something like that it's really hard to say no sometimes oh I know and of course you know with the dogs I I mentioned dogs I didn't mention their show dogs so I'm heavily involved with a kennel as well which is I'm a part of which is LaBelle Standard Poodles um you won't find any of my work there beyond my dogs (laughs) (laughs) but Crystal L. Kirkham and I know that double L throws everyone out off um is probably one of the best places hit me up on twitter at canuck click so obviously yeah i'm such a freaking canadian um (laughs) and you know i generally respond to people most of the time i try to respond to most people who at me um if it's not a giant threat or anything i love talking to people um for a fucking hermit who really actually hates people most of the time I'm really personable um, and I think those are the, the two very best places to find out more about me and my work is hey talk to me directly on Twitter I'm really I'm I'm a little weird but I'm not that weird I'm not creepy weird so if, if people I are listening to this people. podcast they're fine with weird it's okay I'm not the creepy weird, so I will respond. But if you are creepy weird to me, I will not respond. I will probably be very mean because that is, I am the person who yells at anti-maskers outside the grocery store when they dare to talk to me about my mask being stupid. Yeah. For the record, I also live here too. Well, for the record, I live in the one province in Canada that has half of the total cases of our entire country. (gasps) Our entire country. Uh, yeah, we've, yeah. Yeah, let's not go Things there. are not good um. here either. <laughs> but what I was going to say, uh, before I forget, um, if you are on our podcast website, there is a guest section now, and there will be information about you on there as well with links to your website and your podcast. So I think, I think that covers everything. I think we're good. Yay. So <laughs> thank you, Crystal, for being a guest today. Um, and our next episode will be our regularly scheduled live stream on October 15th. DC will be back and join us live at 7.30 p.m. Central on Twitch, or you can listen on audio afterward, like always. Uh, you can find everything you need at our website and it's writing.com. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, same thing with Crystal's podcast. Look up Not Safe for Words. Um, and you can follow and it's writing on Twitter as well. And 
We'll provide links to everything we have mentioned in the show notes and on the website. So you can always click and check it out there. So thank you very much. Entirely my pleasure. (laughs) 